The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hey, Brendo, Steve here. Ben Larson. Welcome back to Going In Raw, the only pro wrestling podcast you can be listening to. Of course, we're going to do these every week when they're on the dark side of the ring. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka and the death of Nancy Argentino. Um, this, this is right up my alley, man, because I'm all about the Dateline and the ID channel and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, that was that was this is right in your wheelhouse then because this felt like Dateline, uh, uh, another 48 hours, uh, any of those uh, procedural investigative crime programs. Uh, this fit right into that kind of template. Yeah, yeah. Instead of hosted by uh, Chris Hansen, it was hosted by Chris Jericho. Yeah, Chris Jericho, exactly, the champion. Um, so I don't really know, like, what's a good place to start here because this is kind of a different thing. It's as if we're talking about a dateline. Yeah. What was your uh, overall, I guess, what was your overall impression of, uh, I guess we can start here. Did, did he totally killed that girl, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he's at least. <laughs> okay. Review over. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess the, the, the question is, was it an accidental thing? You know, yeah. I mean, his, his initial story was was, as he put it, wrestling, mm. probably fighting. Um, if the previous history of, of physical altercations is to be believed, and during the course of the fight, she fell, hit her head, and then what a day later passed away. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess one would maybe uh, piece together they got to fight. Well, somehow she fell over whether she was pushed or not, uh, and then. Uh, uh, you know, uh, hit her head, and then a couple of days later, a day later, uh, due to the head trauma, passed away. Although the coroner's report, I don't understand a lot of the the technical YPMP uh, forensics jargon, uh-huh. like the what was the 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 meat blow of the head, M E T E. Okay, yeah. Because based on what they found, and they worded it in the in the documentary, and and I, the wording escapes me now, but the conclusion of which was based on the injury she suffered. It, they pretty much said, hey, you should investigate this as a homicide. If it was a simple situation of uh, she fell, banged her head on, you know, like the, the dresser in the hotel and then died. I don't know how that would be conclusive with uh, uh, with that those findings per se. I just don't know. I'm not a forensic guy. I've watched some Law and Order. And that's didn't, the extent of my forensic well, knowledge. Didn't, but didn't like the uh, didn't the autopsy. Uh, wasn't there like bruising on the throat? Yeah, Don's at the <laughs> as at the funeral the 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 funeral parlor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Man, there is a lot. It, like, so yeah, it it totally feels like he did it probably out of roid rage. I mean, let's just honestly like. I well, don't... I mean, that one thing one thing we found out from this too was that he had himself a pretty serious cocaine habit. Yeah, yeah. And because of that, he was becoming less reliable. In fact, after this happened, um, uh, the Nancy Argentino's death. Um, uh, apparently his his drug habit kicked up uh, several several more notches and he became even more unreliable and that's why that's when WWE cut ties with him mm-hmm, yeah and they did the indie circuit 
the autograph signing, so on and so forth. Um, probably the interview that stuck out the most was with the police chief, who was the chief yes. of what uh, Allentown. Yeah, uh, it was Whitehall Township, I believe, was the actual uh, uh, you know municipality that he was a police chief of, and he seemed to have basically no knowledge of this investigation whatsoever. <laughs> Man, I was talking to you about this off camera yesterday, and I don't know if it's because somebody would simply want the attention of being on a Dateline type thing. I mean, I know there are, I, I've heard there's, uh, there are cops who literally want to be on the show, cops. Yeah, hold on a second. Uh, meet, M-E-T, the definition of that is dispense or a lot. Uh, justice, a punishment, or harsh treatment. So I guess the the idea that she suffered a meat blow to the head, mm, yeah, was that it was delivered by somebody. I guess. Okay. Okay. Um. So, but this guy either was lying. It, it honestly, his body language just screamed, "You're lying out your ass," because there are the. So I, I I've got. I, I I listen to several, actually several podcasts about how uh, uh, tricky memory is mm-hmm. and how, mm-hmm. you know, me- memory is, is not a very reliable thing. However, mm-hmm. there are certain core memories that people should retain just factually. You know, Larson, have you ever talked to Steve, to me? Well, I'm talking to you right now. Right. What class did we, do you remember being in a class with me when we first like started hanging out called astronomy classes? Yeah, there were several classes we were in, but astronomy was, was one of them. I recall being in that class with you. I recall Bonnie Douglas being in that Mm -hmm. class with us. I remember when, when our teacher said, what does a blue and red light make? And I said, purple. I remember all that stuff. There are certain key events in your life Mm -hmm. that you just remember. You just, you just know, you just remember, right? This guy, when asked about stuff that you know he'd remember if it's a solid yes or no, was so dancing around stuff. And he'd start darting his eyes everywhere. Like, why is he going to be on this thing if he knows that any every single question they're going to ask is going to be something that he is not going to want to answer truthfully on? Because this investigation was obviously the worst possible police investigation I have seen. It was not good. It was terrible. It was um, awful. One instance that they point out, well, there's two major ones. So uh, Jimmy's story, the second or third time around, first he said that she she fell during, while they were wrestling, fighting, whatever, uh, bumped her head, uh, eventually passed away, and then he changed that story to uh, they're on their way to, the, to Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, she had to go to the bathroom. He pulled off the side of the road. She went off, uh, did her business, came back to the car, slipped, fell, bumped her head on the road, and then a day or so later, died. Um, and then uh, during the course of this episode, we find out that uh, Tonga Kid, Sam Fatu, uh, says he was in the car with them. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and so at no point did the police, uh, the chief just found out about Sam's recollection mm-hmm. while he was being interviewed. Yeah. And during the episode, they mentioned that at no point did the police take Snooka to the spot where he pulled over. Mm-hmm, yeah. Which is like the base, most basic yeah. thing. All right, this is your story. Tell me where you pulled over. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of thing I got from the chief. Not necessarily he was hiding, per se, anything other than uh, uh, potentially his own department's uh, uh, potentially incompetence. Yeah. Yeah. That he was trying to create a, a, a narrative that would make it sound like, 
we did the best because that was like the major thing he said half the questions he asked was like we did the best we could yeah because they, they would yeah he kept on going back to that and like when he couldn't answer a question he would just go back to well again i figure they did the best investigation they could yeah and it's like why are you even here like what what is the like just say no i'm not going to revisit that because he has to know this is not a point of pride well he doesn't even seem like he was hands-on with this investigation at all yeah he was the chief of police. He wasn't necessarily the one investigating anything. That was the uh, the the idea I got. He wasn't really investigating anything. Yeah. Um. He didn't see, even seem terribly familiar with a, a lot of the stuff he was being po- that was being posed to him. Somewhere was a situation that, you know, whether the the officers who actually did the investigation either they didn't want to participate, aren't around to participate, whatever the case may be, and they were like, well, who was the chief then? Mm-hmm. This guy, fine. Let's get him on. So we have some representative from uh, uh, Whitehall Township law enforcement on the on the episode to get that perspective on the show. Yeah. I don't know. One of the major things they kind of alluded to as well on, in this particular episode and uh, one of the, 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 the ongoing rumors and conspiracy about this is that, and this is all from Snooka's account of events in his book, mm-hmm. was Vince showed at the police station with the briefcase. Mm-hmm. And after that, it seemed like the investigation was over. Yeah. There's no notes of that uh, interview, no detailed notes of the interview, even though it was like an hour or two long. And, and, and so, when, when asked about that interview, the police chief said, well, I guess nothing important was said in that interview if there are no notes about it. The hell? I don't make any so sense. I guess, that, you know, that that led to speculation, rumors and conspiracy that somehow uh, Vince brought a, a briefcase of money in and paid off the cops. Essentially, that's, yeah, how, I thought that's what were, I've heard. I thought they were going to address that a bit more directly because they talk about the briefcase, but they don't really like you, you have to you have to know about the rumors about that in order to really put those pieces together. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't know about that, the briefcase is just sort of a briefcase. You know what I mean? Well, they insinuate Vince showed up with briefcase after he showed up with briefcase. The investigation pretty much stopped. Yeah, I know. But it wasn't as direct as I thought it, it was no. going to be. I mean, I think because there's zero evidence that anything. Of, of, yeah, of that you want to be careful. With that. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. Because literally the only account of brief of the briefcase is from Snooka mm-hmm, in yeah. his autobiography. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought, oddly enough, uh, Snooka's wife or widow. Um, came off uh, as fairly well-reasoned and uh, not... She painted her husband's side of how he felt post-incident. And she basically said all that she could say. Uh, I mean, that, we, that you know, she's presenting anyways. And I, I don't... There didn't seem to be any reason to think that she was being... She didn't come across as deceptive. Yeah. Um, if, if Snooka was either lying to himself or lying to her, um, you know, either one of those, uh, I, it doesn't sound like at any point he opened up and was like, Oh, I totally killed her. Um, she actually seems like a, like a pretty, like with it person. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't give anything, but you know, uh, her recollection of what his feelings on it outwardly were. Um, and so it was kind of interesting to hear because like, she didn't really, you know, she said, well, you know, he he said that, you know, all the let these people say what they're going to say. Um, there's nothing I could, you know, they're, they're going to say that regardless. There's nothing I can do to prove them wrong. I know what happened there and, and it didn't, you know. So I don't know. She was kind of interesting just in that, you know, you'd figure somebody like that that's hiding somebody would, would come or that's hiding something would come across a bit more like they're hiding something. 
Um, no, she didn't just like come off like she was hiding anything. Actually, I thought her account of things was fairly even-handed. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Um, yeah, Vince didn't look great in this. There was the bit about how, um, I guess, uh, for a spell, Snooka couldn't read. Um, and uh, and he would like, Vince would like shove papers in front of him before shows and say, hey, if you don't sign this, you're not going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that could be standard procedure for, hey, here's an invoice, you know, or something that we've drawn up for you. <laughs> who knows what it is? You're signing away all your likeness rights. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It just, I think it just goes more into the carny aspect of Vince McMahon in general, which we still see to this day. <laughs> you know, like with the stuff with the revival that's been coming out over the weekend. Oh my goodness. I know. Um, I know. So, yeah, I mean, he didn't, he didn't look great either, of course. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of interesting. Uh, uh, the Tonga kid was also interviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, he was in the car uh, or he claims to have been in the car on the way to Allentown. He had no it, his was kind of interesting because I think in his heart, he wants to believe that Snooka didn't do it. But seemingly he didn't know a lot of the details about all this stuff, um, including Nancy's name, which is kind of bizarre. Um, but seemingly he wanted to believe that Snooka didn't do it. But when presented with certain facts that alleged that apparently he didn't know about or had forgotten about or, or chosen to forgotten mm-hmm. about, um, he got very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they asked him, hey, you know, uh, do, do you know what his story is? And he was like, uh-uh. And he was like, you know, that, that Nancy fell out of the car or she she tripped on her way back to the car. And he was like, yeah, no, that never happened. And then mm-hmm. he sort of was like, um, <laughs> and then like, and I, this might've been the editing, obviously, but as yeah. he's getting up and walking away, he's, he sort of mumbles, you know, you're asking me about stuff that happened 30 years ago, kind of resentful of the interview. You know, it's like, yeah. crap, what did I just get myself into? Because I think for him, it boiled down to his statement of, I knew Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't like this. Jimmy wouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Jimmy's very mad, George. Um, and I mean, that's one thing I've, I've gleaned from, from, both watching Dateline and talking to uh, our good friend's uh, ex-girlfriend now, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. was a public defender, mm-hmm. and uh, and the assertion that you can know if a person is capable of murder or not is uh, is kind of overrated. Like it's it, yeah. it's not easy to do, especially when you know either cocaine or steroids or a mixture of both. Um, are brought into the occasion. Like, that's literally changing your brain chemicals right there, totally which changes is, totally who is. you are. Totally. So, totally. Um, so yeah, that, that's all interesting. Interesting character, though. I mean, it's funny because you look back at... One thing that, that I kind of find interesting, you look back at that period of time, and, of course, Hogan is the guy who emerged as the guy, right? Yeah. I don't know, because everybody in this purports, and I, I know sometimes it's sort of to build the narrative, oh, he could have been the biggest thing. But, like, I'm not sure, like, Snooka definitely had a presence and a Mm -hmm. look. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if he ever had that thing that Hogan had when he'd look into the camera and he'd, like, reach the audience, which Mm -hmm. he obviously had Mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, a plethora of. Um, I never got that. Like, watching a Snooka promo, watching him in the ring it's obvious he was an ama- he was a really fantastic athlete who could do some really yeah. cool stuff yeah. and he had a very distinct unique look i'm not sure he ever could have been face of the company i don't know i mean 
not to the degree Hogan was obviously, yeah. but but when Snooka was was the hot thing in WWF, that was pre Hogan. Yeah, sure. That was early '80s, mm-hmm. and that's when WWF was still a regional promotion. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm not um, sure if he could have been the guy to put the company on its back nationally, but oh, I don't yeah. know. He was supremely over in the region, so who knows? He was super over, you know, and so you never you never know. But yeah, I don't know if he had the the, the ability to, you know, speak through television camera, connect people sitting in their homes the same way. Hogan hat. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I was going, I, after watching the episode, I did a little research about the, the Vince meeting. They have no record of, and, uh, found this excerpt from the original story, I guess, from the morning call in 2013 that talks about this meeting that Russell zone has this excerpt of, um, uh, and of course, you know, it said, it mentions everybody who was present at the meeting. Um, it's a couple, three detectives, assistant DA, and who is this other individual has a last name but i don't oh sorry mental medical examiner mm-hmm. sorry um and then uh one of the people there who was uh, the assistant da who's now a judge in the area as of 2013 uh, talks about this meeting said that vince did all the talking <laughs> he said, quote, I remember Vince McMahon being what Vince McMahon has always been, very effusive. He was very protective, a showman, um, and said that uh, he couldn't recall specifics of the conversation. He was the mouthpiece trying to direct the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone else, one of the detectives, said that McMahon gave authorities the phone numbers of wrestlers and managers that uh, they wanted to speak with. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. As far as McMahon's role, as far as anybody remembers. So, yeah, I mean, if, if there's no proof of any funny business happening, they really can't. Uh, make that claim and something like this. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know how. So, I, in fact, I had only heard about the briefcase thing like a day, like a couple days ago, um, on like a random Twitter thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I wonder if that's just one of the things that was out there. So, yeah, if there's no substantiation, substantiation behind you can't, that, you, that you can't. Put you that can't. Out there, you no. can't put that you can't stuff. Put that, in you're, there. you're leaving yourself open for a lawsuit. And I, I would imagine. I would imagine that 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 just indicates just how flimsy that rumor is. Oh, know? it's completely flimsy. Yeah, yeah, the only account of any briefcase is from Stuka's own account. Mm-hmm, yeah, in his book. Yeah, that's it. No other account of anybody having a briefcase. In that, everybody in, that in the brief, everybody in the eighties had briefcases. That's the thing. That was what you carried. That's yeah, a, yeah. Because you had to. If you had more than like three pieces of paper, you need a briefcase. If you're going bowling and you want to bring like you know uh, any sheet of paper, you're bowling. If you know you're going to go home with your bowling scorecard, you got to bring your briefcase. Because where else? Because we put it. Th- there weren't these back then. We could toss everything on. These didn't exist. Nobody didn't even exist. really had. Yet, I mean, the, I guess fax machines kind of were a thing then. Yeah, I mean, that was just around the time the VCRs were getting into homes. Exactly. Those were expensive, too. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah they were. I still have my original copy of Wrath of Khan my dad got when he got our VCR. First movie we bought, Wrath of Khan. Sitting out my bookcase. Admiral Kirk. Uh, so, let's see here. Yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, I'm glad that the I'm glad that the family seemed to get some sort of closure in mm-hmm. that uh, uh, Snuka at least had to confront this stuff, even if it was later in life. Yeah, um, and even if there wasn't a trial, at least the situation where the police decided there's enough evidence to charge him, um, and then based on his kind of deteriorating health, uh, physically and apparently mentally, uh, they, it was determined that he wasn't fit to stand trial. And about ten days after uh, the the trial was canceled, he passed away. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully that gives them some sense of, but man, to be 23 years old or 22 or whatever she was, early 20s, and tasked with handling, because that's what, you know, they said. It was like, at first she was just his girlfriend, but then, like, you know, when uh, Buddy Rogers got tired of being his handler, 
mm-hmm. um, you know, because he would want to just incessantly do cocaine while Buddy Rogers was driving. Uh, you know, they handed that task off to a 22 year old. Um, and yeah, that's just that's really sad. That's really I'm assuming sad. as well that the, the WBF knew that Snook at that point was already married too. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. With several children. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah I don't so know. everything was yeah. everything was drenched in cocaine back then, man. I know, I, I know. Guess, but the um, stories of the NBA. Oh my god. Oh gosh, I know. Uh, so next week is the story of Dino Bravo. This is, and that's one I don't really know anything about. So, so all I know of this one was because I just I just read the one line from uh, like the one line synopsis from the Dark Side of the Rings tweet. You'll like, you'll appreciate this. Uh, it's oh the, yeah, I saw that about the him. He's having a program against Hogan in Montreal, but they didn't go through with it because they thought he would get the uh, Dino Bravo get the cheers. I wonder if that's the crux of the episode. Is that he? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. But uh, yeah, it should be interesting. That that's the kind of stuff that I that I with Dark Side of the Ring. That's the stuff to me that's most interesting is behind the scenes shenanigans stuff. The ins and outs of the business. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, join us for that next Sunday. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. We appreciate it. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.